0: It's the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have a message entitled... To be Martha's with Mary hearts How can we infuse our actions in this world With contemplation How can we move into doing from a place of being uh, We're looking at the uh, story of Mary and Martha Having Jesus over at their house for dinner Mary sitting at Jesus' feet So, let's go ahead and head to the talk North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington Thanks for listening the passage from the gospel that we're reading today. This is Luke chapter 10 verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, he, Jesus, entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying, but Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all this work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken away from her. If you have spent much time in church, you've probably heard this little story before. And before we get into the substance of this story, I want to unpack a few details about it. Uh, If you read the four Gospels, you will encounter Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And a lot of people don't realize this because we kind of have these isolated stories, but Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were some of Jesus' favorite folks to hang out with. They were like his best friends. Uh, we see that Martha, uh, her brother Lazarus, when he was uh, raised from the dead by Jesus, just before that, Martha has the revelation by the Spirit of God that the only person, the only other person who had this revelation was was Peter. Where she she proclaims by the Spirit that Jesus is the Messiah. So she's the only other person uh, before the resurrection that gets that revelation from God. Mary, as we know, uh, anointed Jesus's feet with this. Uh, costly perfume uh, just days before he, he, just, just before he went to the cross. And it was valued at like a, a year's wages. And she poured it out at the feet of Jesus. And uh, the New Testament scholar Ben Wetherington from uh, Asbury Seminary actually made a very good case that in, in the Gospel of John, if, if you've ever read the Gospel of John, there are a few places where John says, and the disciple that Jesus loved... And oftentimes, the church has uh, the, the, the dominant opinion has been that John was talking about himself, which sounds a little egotistical. <laughs> you know, we have Peter making a fool of himself, and then John's like, and the disciple that Jesus loved. Uh, but Ben Weatherington actually made the, made the point that, that the disciple that Jesus loved in a special way was probably not John, it was actually Lazarus. And there's evidence of that uh, in, in the scriptures. So these were some of Jesus' favorite people. And Bethany is a little village that you would, you would encounter uh, shortly before you get to Jerusalem. And Jesus spent a lot of time there. And I, I get the feeling when I read these passages that Jesus, this was one of his places where he didn't have all the stress of public ministry, you know, the traveling and all that. He could just be himself, you know, not, not like Jesus was somebody else, but, you know, he could, <laughs> could just be refreshed in their company. Now this this thing that we're looking at today is not a parable, it's not a public teaching of Jesus, it doesn't capture Jesus in his public ministry, this is Jesus among his friends. And it's a great story. And I think that there are some very relevant things that can speak to this today. But the first thing I want to address about this story is, why are we so hard on Martha? Martha? Does anybody have a problem reading? I mean, even when we read this story, like come on i love I love to cook. I love to have people over uh, to my house for dinner. I love to have people over to the church for dinner that 's why like ninety percent of the things we do here at the church involve uh, eating food and <laughs> inviting people and having discussions around uh, a meal. I love doing that if i 'm going to have somebody over to my house, whether it 's a family member or a friend, I, I, I might spend hours coming up with the menu, buying the ingredients, preparing the meal, uh, making a Spotify playlist to pair with the food for that night. (laughs) Some people pair wine with food. I like to pair music with food. There's this, uh, you know, sonic culinary combination. Uh, But I have found the most intense part when you have folks over to your house, whether they're friends or family members, the most intense part about the meal is those last few minutes. Y'all, anybody who cooks knows what I mean, right? Because you, you you've got like not only the main entree, you've got the side dishes, and everything has to come out at once, right? You want it all to to come out at once. So everything is building to one this towards this one point. And and I find if there's ever a point where I'm going to get a little snappy at people, it's in those last few minutes. Because it's in those last few minutes sometimes that I look at the kitchen table and it's covered with junk. (laughs) Or everybody else seems to be in other rooms and they're not ready for the meal that I've been working on. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Or sometimes in that crucial final few moments where we're about to plate the food... I need a little help, and no one is there to be found. They're all off doing their own things, and I I get a little snappy, a little aggravated. I poured my life into this, at least the last few hours of it. See, as, as as someone who is preparing a meal, I really after spending hours on it, I want people to appreciate that meal at the point it's best appreciated, right? I don't want people eating this this meal that I've worked on for hours. I don't want them to eat it cold. I want them to enjoy it. And I find in those final moments sometimes I can get a little aggravated. My wife can attest to that. My kids can attest to that, you know, <laughs> So when I read this story of Martha, I'm like, well, duh, of course she's upset. Mary's just like sitting there in the other room with Jesus. And I think, I think Martha completely expected Jesus would see the problem here, right? Jesus, can you tell her what to do? And Jesus is like, Martha. Martha. You're distracted with way too many things. There's only one thing that is necessary at this point, and Mary's chosen that. Now, here's the deal. I I think often we pit Mary's against Martha's. You know, you've got the people who are spiritual and just want to do spiritual tough all the time. And then you've got those other people that do things, you know, (laughs) And we kind of uh, uh, make these things opposed to one another. But Jesus doesn't rebuke Martha for her serving and her hospitality. Jesus just says, there's there's, there's something important going on right now. and, And you're actually, your serving has gotten in the way of that. You've missed the point of what this is all about. I have found there have been a few occasions, even here at the church when, <laughs> when I've tried to cook for people and we've had people over, there have been occasions where I've been so caught up in serving, I forgot, like, uh, this was about people. <laughs> we, we were trying to be hospitable and out, actually be with people, and I'm just like, oh, I'm, I'm just so busy, like, I forgot to notice people. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at. And I I think this is another one of these, as, as I meditate on this passage, I think this is another one of those scriptures that beautifully demonstrates how God puts a priority on relationship. I mean, that's the thing that mattered to Jesus. Jesus is coming off the road of ministry, he just wanted to be with them. And so it's not sitting with Jesus or doing work putting the emphasis on relationship and on listening. So I don't think it's that we need to be a Mary or a Martha. I've known people who take this passage, and and I've certainly done this at certain points in my life, uh, and tried to make it into an escape from doing stuff. I had a friend of mine, good friend, who's like, I talked to him a few years ago, and there's a... There's a place um, where they have 24-hour worship going on all the time. they got different people who go up there. I mean, people will take off, you know, years of their lives and go up there and just play worship with this group and in and, and this um, place. And, and my friend was like, man, I, he's got like four or five kids. He's like, oh, I just wish I could quit my job and go up there and just worship all the time. I'm like, well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> No kidding. I think there's been many times in my life where I just wish that I could just escape all the hard stuff of, you know, working and paying bills and mowing lawns and all that junk and just be with Jesus, sit at his feet. I would love that. And oftentimes we use this Mary passage as kind of a justification for why that is supposed to happen. But I don't think that that, that is, is, is everything going on here. I think one thing we can learn from Mary, though, is that she paid attention to Jesus. And I think the, the question is not how we can be a Mary or a Martha, but how, how can we be Marthas with Mary hearts? Mary, M-A-R-Y if you have a merry heart it'll equal a merry heart okay uh, sometimes the ideas that pop in my head are not the best we live in a world where we are perpetually distracted aren't we I I remember reading a book about back in 2010 called the shallows what the internet is doing to our brains and there's this guy Nicholas Carr who he was a journalist But he noticed somewhere around 2006 that his ability to read books, he's an author, he loves literature. His ability to read books uh, was becoming uh, compromised a bit. He found that sitting down with a book and paying attention to it and getting in that frame of mind to actually read was becoming more and more difficult. Does anybody notice that in your own life? And so, yeah, yeah, your whole life, I just never liked books. Uh, but he 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 decided to kind of look at maybe how technology was was uh, contributing to this. And he he realized very quickly, uh, looking at neurological studies, that that technology is not a neutral thing in our lives. We think that the internet, oh, it's not good or bad. It's just whatever you put on the internet. It's good or bad. But he actually found that the interacting with the Internet or using our smartphones, that it actually begins to rewire our brains. I, they actually did an experiment where they put people, I don't know where they found these people, but people who'd never used Google. Um, they put them in an <laughs> MRI chamber and, and looked at their brain. And they said within 10 minutes of using Google, Areas of their brain that had been inactive began lighting up. Ten minutes. That's scary, huh? When (laughs) when I look at the amount of internet I consume. Um, But we're distracted. I I think we had this this myth that we all kind of bought into with the Jetsons. Remember the Jetsons? There was this... This, this future that we were moving towards where we could just relax as human beings. We wouldn't have to do much and machines would take over and they would run all the busyness of life. And we could just get, get on with human flourishing. But somehow what has really happened with technology is when we find something that can do something twice as fast, then we just do four times more of it, right? We... Technology really hasn't freed us up at all. We've just become more busy, more distracted. I mean, I'm going to sound like an old dude now. These young people. I was driving home from a concert the other night. 11.45 in the town of Abita Springs on a Friday night. There's nothing going on. And I saw a gang of youth out there. No purpose in mind. And you know what they were doing? They were walking around in a, in a gang, looking at their phones for Pikachus. And I don't even know what the rest of them are called. <laughs> well, we live in a world where we continually have distractions that are thrown at us. We continue. I mean, I find... Any spare moment of the day, I I have a love-hate relationship with this iPhone because I find that in the spare moments, like when I'm standing in line at the grocery store, instead of looking around or considering anybody else, it's a lot easier to just go, I wonder what's going on on Twitter, Facebook. It's easy to let every spare moment of our lives be filled with distractions David Foster Wallace if you get a chance there's a he's an author who passed away a few years ago but I, I believe he was a Pulitzer Prize winning is Pulitzer Prize for literature okay I think he got one of those um, he did a commencement address for a, a college a university a few years ago and and there is a you can Check out his uh, talk on YouTube. It's called This is Water. But David Foster Wallace talks about how we all tend to live on default. We have a default setting. And our default setting is, I'm the center of the universe. It's not not something that we are conscious of, because I think that idea of, like, it it sounds so narcissistic and self-absorbed. But on default... We don't consider other people. We don't think of anything outside of ourselves. We just simply see the people in our world as, you know, barriers to our happiness a lot of times. And so we walk around with this kind of simmering resentment underneath the surface. And it manifests itself when we're standing in the line at the grocery store at the end of a long day. When we're hungry and we just want to get home and cook up something to eat or throw it in the microwave, more likely, and we're standing in line and the person in front of us has 15 coupons. Or they're trying to write a check. What's a check? Come on, people. Or their credit cards declined, or you know, something like that, and we have no patience or compassion. We don't consider anything else except we're aggravated because they're in our way. We don't stop to consider what may be going on in their world or the cashier's world. We're just absorbed in ourselves. Or perhaps when you're driving home from the grocery store and you're driving down a two-lane highway and there's someone in front of you and the speed limit's 55 miles an hour and they're going 35. And you never stop to think that maybe this person in front of you, uh, maybe there's something else going on. That's why they're going slow. (laughs) Maybe they have huge anxiety issues. Maybe they just got some bad news. Maybe they got car problems. Whatever. But on our default settings, we don't consider anybody else. We are just simply in it for ourselves. We're not paying attention to the world around us. We're just living by default. And you know, the crazy thing is, I've been in some form or fashion of ministry for some 20 years now. The crazy thing is, you can live on default in ministry. There have been times in my life where I've gotten so aggravated with people that I'm serving because they don't seem to appreciate what I'm doing the way that I expect that they should appreciate me. Or other Christians aren't as spiritual as I am because they're not helping me in this endeavor. If they really love God, they'd be on board with what I'm doing. And I find myself in those moments like Martha, where I'm just kind of falling back into default mode. I'm not really paying attention to God or to people. I'm just seeing people as a barrier. And that's a problem when you're in ministry. (laughs) To pit Mary's against Martha is to create a false dichotomy. It's not, do we sit with Jesus or do we do work, but rather, can our active lives come from a posture of listening? I think that's the real trick. There's a guy, uh, if if you ever get a chance, one of the classic works of the last 400 years was uh, Brother Lawrence, and this guy was, uh, he just wanted to know God, and Uh, He became a Carmelite Carmelite monk in France, and he just, you know, he he had described at one point to the idea that if you want to be spiritual, you just got to escape from the world and just go be with God, but he really learned how to find God in the random everyday things of life. He was in this obscure little religious order, and he became the guy in the kitchen who cooked and cleaned. And nobody thanked him, but he found, he, he, you can look up some of the quotes, but he talks about how he found that he could encounter God's presence in the clatter of pots and pans, the busyness of a kitchen, the same way he could by taking Holy Communion in a cathedral. And I think that that's the bigger question. As we're walking through our lives, yes, I do think it is really good if you can get in the habit of carving time to just be with God. Unstructured time. I'm not saying you got to pack a bunch of Bible reading in just to be quiet. 15 minutes, five minutes during your day just to sit down and try to listen to the Spirit. But I think more than that, we need to learn how to pay attention to Pay attention in our everyday life. And it's not just paying attention to God. It's paying attention to people. How many people do we just walk by in this world and we don't ever really see them? We don't see them. I mean, we see them, but we don't see them. Because we're so caught up in our own world. It's not contemplation or action, but rather contemplation and action. The Christian life, if it is to be tr- fully, truly to be lived, is not so much about religious busyness, but thoughtful, spirit infused attentiveness to God and others. It's about speaking only after we have truly listened. It's not about holding tightly to all that we have, but living in trust. It's about living awake rather than simply going through the motions. And so I found that when I can practice these things, <laughs> when I'm making a deliberate effort in my life to you know, start off the day saying, God, I want to be open to your spirit. I want to listen to you to listen to others. I want to listen to my own heart, for goodness sakes. When I take that posture during the day, guess what? I begin to hear Jesus in other people. I begin to notice God in very normal things. And I begin to be shaped by that rather than by my own selfishness, by my own self-absorbedness. So I just want to close with two questions. I'm not going to give you five steps for how you can be (laughs) a Martha with a merry heart. But I think the first thing we could just, I think all of us could probably admit to being a little more distracted than we would like to be. And so just to invite the Spirit to lead us into truth. Lead us into the ways that are filled with life. What are some ways that I can better pay attention to the people around me and consider what they may be facing or going through rather than simply living on default? And how can I set aside some space in my life this week just to be still and quiet with God for a few minutes? Let's just ask those questions to the Lord. Maybe even this afternoon. Maybe schedule about few minutes on your back porch I, you have to wait till nine o'clock so it's bearable or maybe sometime, some time some time in just a quiet place just to get quiet and, and be still without technology and just ask for an awareness of God's voice why don't you stand? Lord God, we, we know that now more than ever, our world needs people that will enter into action, not on default settings, not on knee-jerk reactions, not from fight-or-flight survival mechanisms in our minds, Lord, but people who can be reflective, people who can be contemplative, people who can be settled down on the inside and listening for your voice, looking for the work of your spirit, God. I pray that each and every person in here, God, that you would help us into that type of life, God. That whatever situations... This We are facing in this world, Lord, that we could come at them as people who are indwelt by the Spirit of God, who are paying attention to you and paying attention to others and paying attention to our own hearts. God, help us to be Marthas with merry hearts, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you'd like to... I, Uh, come up for any prayer this morning we'll have uh, our prayer team up here otherwise God bless you we'll see you next weekend